you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. In recently released audio, President Trump told veteran reporter Bob Woodward that his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, was, quote, one smart cookie and added, quote, very capable guy, Jared. You can't get people like this. And Lord knows the FBI has tried. From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Myers. On today's show, Seth chats with Senator Bernie Sanders. But first, a closer look. The president and his allies have decided on a closing message for the final days of the campaign. Whine about social media and pretend the pandemic is over. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. There is a lot you can say about Donald Trump's inner circle and the leadership of the modern Republican Party, but when you boil it down, it's basically just a collection of gigantic weirdos. They're the people who collect ceramic pigs and sit by their windows writing down license plate numbers for no reason. Take, for example, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who showed up to one of Trump's rallies yesterday and claimed Republicans were going to take back the House. McCarthy then belched up this, I think, English sentence about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I want you to watch Nancy Pelosi hand me that gavel. And I promise you this, I won't bang her with it, but I'll bang the end to the socialism and yes to America. A what now? I'll bang the end to the socialism and yes to America? That sounds like a poorly translated leaflet dropped on Moscow during the Cold War. Why do all these guys talk like rip-off dollar store action figures made in Eastern Europe that your grandma would get you for Christmas. Oh, wow, it's a fuzz Goodyear? Let me pull the string. Infinity is where I'm going, and maybe even a little bit further. <laughs> the leaders of the modern GOP are basically just a bunch of goofy old puds. Yeah, I said it, puds. Type of guy who's still working at your hometown bowling alley 30 years after high school because he gets free disco fries. Plus, I get all the shoe spray I can huff, and that is a lot. <sighs> For example, Republicans held a hearing on big tech companies yesterday just to complain about supposed social media bias against conservatives, which 
it's not a thing. Now, there are progressives like Elizabeth Warren and tonight's guest Bernie Sanders who really do want to break up big tech monopolies that have consolidated too much power, but Republicans just want to whine about mean tweets they don't like. The best example of that came from Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson when he complained about an obviously satirical tweet. Mr. Dorsey, uh, you talked about your policies toward misinformation and that you will you will block misinformation if it if it's about against civic integrity, election interference, or voter suppression. Let, let me give you a tweet that was put up on on uh, Twitter. It says Senator Ron Johnson is my neighbor and strangled our dog Buttons right in front of my four year old son and three year old daughter. The police refused to investigate. This is a complete lie but important to retweet and note that there are more of my lies to come. How could that not be a violation of voter suppression? Obviously, if people think I'm strangling my neighbor's dog, they may not show up at the polls. That would be voter suppression. And another thing, Mr. Dorsey, last night my doorbell rang late at night, so I went to answer it. When I opened the door, there was a flaming bag of poo on the front step, so I tried to stamp out the fire, but I got poo all over my shoes. This is clearly an act of voter suppression by the neighborhood teens because... If I have poo-poo on my shoes, I'll be too embarrassed to go vote. The bigger problem here is Ron Johnson thinks his constituents might actually believe that he strangled his neighbor's dog. And, uh, yeah, okay. I can kind of see it. I mean, with that said, Jack Dorsey looks like a dog serial killer. <laughs> like straight up a guy who took out multiple dogs. In Ron Johnson's corn chowder brain, a joke tweet about a senator is voter suppression, but invalidating mail-in ballots and making people wait hours to vote isn't. He's like a guy who parks his BMW in a fire lane then loses his when his car gets towed. This is voter suppression. How am I supposed to get to the polling place now? And then there was Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn who asked the CEO of Google if the company was still employing someone who criticized her. Is Blake Lemoyne, one of your engineers, still working with you? Uh, Senator, I'm familiar with this name uh, as an as an employee. I'm not sure whether he's currently an employee. Okay. Uh, well, he has had very unkind things to say about me, and uh, I was just wondering if you all had still uh, kept him working there. Man, Fox News is right. Cancel culture is out of control. She sounds like she's asking to speak to the manager about a sales assistant at Costco. Is Madison? Still working here? She had very unkind things to say about me when I tried to sample the pizza rolls in the frozen aisle. Very hurtful things about how I'm not supposed to open the box. This is the fundamental reality of the modern GOP. They're all Donald Trump. He complains about social media, so they complain about social media, even though most of them don't have the tech savvy to handle the laundry room bulletin board. Coffee table for sale? What the hell does OBO mean? This is unfair. This is what the GOP is now. They failed at everything else, so they're reduced to whining about mean tweets and trying to get people fired. And in their warped minds, they think this is more important than the deadly pandemic that's killed 227,000 Americans. Eric Trump actually claimed supposed social media bias against conservatives was the biggest issue in the election. You better believe they also have their fingers on the dial. I mean, if I put something out that they disagree with, the numbers are down. I mean, I can just see it based on engagements and likes. You can too on, on, on yours. They are censoring us. They don't do it to the other side. And it's, uh, it's gross, but Americans are seeing through it. Believe me, Americans see through it. I'm telling you, people aren't happy about it. I think it's actually become probably the number one issue in politics yeah. um, wow. in the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, man, it's definitely the number one issue in politics right now. In polls, it's right above Hunter Biden's laptop. Leslie Stahl was very nasty to Mr. Trump. And why didn't Ron Johnson kill that dog? He was looking at me funny. Buttons had to go. Of course, none of this is working with voters, which is why Trump is way down in the polls. Now, a lot can still happen before the election, and polls can be wrong, as we've learned before. But right now, the story seems to be pretty consistent. Joe Biden has a large national lead, much easier path to 270 than Trump. Two national polls this week showed Biden up by 12 and 11 points each, which somehow gives me even more anxiety than if the race was closer. It's like when your wife says she wants you to go on that guy's trip to Vegas for the weekend, and you're like, okay. So what are you going to do? No, nothing. You won't be like, lonely? Oh, no. I'll be fine. Well, then I'm not going. And we have to remember not to read too much into any single poll. Just yesterday, one poll had Biden up 17 points in Wisconsin, while another had him up only five points in Minnesota. It's the kind of maddening poll result designed to keep you up all night mainlining Xanax and Digging through crosstabs. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, Biden's overperforming with liberal suburban women under 35 who drink Tazo tea and play tennis, uh, but underperforming with centrist NASCAR dads over 50 who refer to the bathroom as their office. Again, anything can happen, which is why you should take nothing for granted. But the fact is, everyone looking is everyone's looking at the same polling data. The Trump campaign knows they can't campaign against Joe Biden, so they've decided instead to campaign against reality, specifically the reality of a deadly pandemic that is once again spreading rapidly out of control. New cases are at record numbers and hospitals are filling up. Over a thousand Americans died just yesterday alone. Lest we do something different, the bleak reality is only gonna get bleaker as Dr. Anthony Fauci explained on Wednesday. This is going to get worse because we're going more into a colder season as we get through the fall and into the winter with the holiday season going. We've got to do something different. We can't just let this happen. We're going to have many more hospitalizations and that will inevitably lead to more deaths. So this is an untenable situation. It's only an untenable situation if you're a sane person capable of empathy and compassion and not, you know, a sociopath who dances at his rallies during a deadly pandemic like a hungover Little League umpire calling strike three. Strike three! But Mr. Trump, that was only strike one. Yeah, yeah! Yeah, again! <laughs> Trump and the GOP just don't care about the pandemic. They don't care that hospital ICUs are filling up, that hundreds of Americans are dying every day. Trump keeps showing a flagrant disregard for human life by holding giant super spreader rallies in hotspots and by pretending that the pandemic is over and that the virus just isn't that deadly. With the fake news, everything is COVID. COVID, COVID, COVID. I had it. Here I am, right? People are getting better. And you know, you're immune. That's why I could jump right there. See those men? I'll kiss the men. I'm not into that, but I will kiss every man there and kiss every woman there if you don't mind also. They won't catch anything. I love how he throws in, I'm not into that, after saying he'll kiss the men, like he's given the gay community the sad news. I'm sure they all had their hopes up. What did he say? No, oh, never mind. False alarm, guys. Also, if you went out in the crowd and started kissing people, I'm pretty sure they'd catch something. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump's blood is full of those bacteria they usually only find in Arctic ice core samples. And plus, the Trump White House, remember, is a hot spot. It's probably filthier than a bus stop bench in Midtown. Forget COVID. Has anyone fumigated that place for bed bugs? You just know 
Trump leaves Diet Coke rings everywhere and used the curtains as napkins like Oscar Madison. I bet if you shine a blue light on that place, it would look like the Hayden Planetarium. If Biden wins, they should just tear it down and build a new one across the street like they did for the Mets. Because if it worked for the Mets, what? No, it didn't. It didn't work for the Mets? How bad is it? Oh, it's bad. Well, at least you still have the Jets. What? Trump has also decided to use his rallies to once again discredit one of the most powerful tools we have in fighting the virus, universal mask wearing. In fact, he seems to have some very weird ideas about how you're supposed to eat with a mask on, as he explained yesterday. Trump thinks instead of just taking it off, you have to get the food through the mask. And in California, you have a special mask. You cannot, under any circumstances, take it off. You have to eat through the mask. It's a... Right? Right, Charlie? It's, it's a very complex mechanism. And they don't realize those germs, they go through it like nothing. They look at you with that contraption and they say, that's an easy one. I'll go right through with the food. Now, how about California, though, where you're supposed to eat with the mask? Can't take it off. Is it possible you're confusing a mask with a bib? You have to tie the mask around your neck, put it over your face before you eat. You can't see the food on the plate. That's why they put a picture of what you're eating on the bib. Also, why is he narrating the thought process of a germ? He sounds like a doctor giving a TED talk after a massive head wound. The germs, look at you and say, I'm going right in with the food. And then they hit you right on the Big Mac or Whopper, either one. Slide down your throat into your stomach where they pretend to be normal cells to blend in. And then when no one's looking, they sneak down, down to your butt. And that's where the farts come from. We love the farts, don't we? Oh, they make us laugh with their silly sounds. Silly sounds. Not Crooked Joe! Doesn't love the farts. There are less than five days left in the campaign and the ruling party has decided to ignore the raging pandemic. Instead, they're spending their time whining about social media and plotting ways to steal the election through the courts. It's a deeply dangerous sociopathic movement that's incapable of governing. And if we soundly repudiate them next week, then we can celebrate by saying, Yes to America. This has been A Closer Look. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Our guest tonight is the United States Senator from Vermont and a former presidential candidate. Please welcome back to the show our friend, Senator Bernie Sanders. How are you, Senator? I'm waving with my left hand. How's that? <laughs> good. See? We've got a good Zoom connection with you. That's a great sign. <laughs> and may I just say, we've commented on it at our show before, uh, I'm a big fan of your backdrops. Uh, they're always very nature-themed. They're very pleasant. And in these trying times, I feel like they bring a little calm to the proceedings. And also, we're trying to get people to come visit us here in the state of Vermont. That's how beautiful it is. <laughs> very, very nicely done. Uh, you are no uh, stranger to the importance of voter turnout. Uh, one of your first uh, elections is the mayor of Burlington, Vermont. Uh, true story, you only won by 10 votes. Is that correct? 
After a recount, that's right. <laughs> so uh, I think that, uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, reasons that many are optimistic about uh, former Vice President Biden's chances is that uh, young voters, a lot of the voters that um, powered your campaign, are going to vote uh, for uh, Joe Biden. Uh, what would you say to anybody today who is still on the fence? Well, Seth, let me just say this, that um, the younger generation in America today, and we should all be proud of that as parents, uh, is probably the most progressive generation in the history of this country. It's, it's a generation that's anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-homophobia, anti-religious bigotry. Uh, and it appears uh, that they are finally, finally beginning to vote in large numbers uh, in Texas and in Georgia. Uh, young people are coming out in droves, which could have uh, a significant impact on traditional Republican states. And that's true all over this country. Uh, so that, I think, is a great thing. And by the way, it will go beyond this election. I think it's transformative for American society uh, if young people get deeply involved in the political process. And we are seeing that. Uh, in, in terms of uh, what I would say to people who are still undecided, look, the election essentially is about two things. Uh, if you feel comfortable about having and continue to have a president who is a pathological liar, a president who does not believe in the Constitution or the rule of law, and a president who does not believe in science. And when you don't believe in science, you cannot address the pandemic that we're seeing today, where the United States now has the highest uh, per capita death rate for COVID-19 of any major country on Earth. Uh, you cannot address the existential threat of climate change unless you believe in science. Trump does not. Biden does. And the other point that I would make that goes beyond uh, Donald Trump, and that is we need a government that begins to pay attention uh, to a working class in America today that is in very, very serious trouble. Unemployment very high, wages very low, 90 million people uninsured or underinsured, People cannot afford the prescription drugs they need. Um, kids cannot afford to go to college or leaving school deeply in debt. Uh, 18 million families spend half of their limited income on housing. Uh, so we have got to begin addressing the major crises facing working families in this country. Trump certainly has not done that. Uh, Biden will begin to do that, and that's terribly important. So I think those are basic reasons why people have got to get out and vote and vote for Biden. I think you would uh, probably admit that the Democratic Party got away from the working class a little bit. This was a far more reliable block for the Democratic Party, uh, maybe in the 50s and the 60s than it is today. Uh, say that uh, in a Biden presidency should it come to pass, uh, what would you encourage him to do to Good. bring the Democratic Party back to uh, serving the working uh, people in this country. Well, Seth, you're, you're making a very important point that is not made often enough, to be honest with you. And that is, I think it is fair to say that in many ways, the Democratic Party has become a party of the coastal elites, folks who have a lot of money, upper middle class people, who are good people, who believe in social justice in many respects. But I think for many, many years, uh, the Democratic Party has not paid the kind of attention uh, to working class needs that they should have. And that has a lot to do with who funds campaigns, et cetera. 
So I think what we have got to do, and let me just tell you, we are working right now as the United States Senator from Vermont. I am working on a hundred day program to get the Democratic Party, if we gain control over the Senate, to start bursting out of the blocks in an effort to protect working people. So what do we have to do? First of all, immediately, we have to do what Mitch McConnell has not done, and that is pass a very substantive COVID-19 emergency relief bill to help the millions of people who are unemployed, who have lost their income and lost their health care. And that means that $600, an extension of that $600 supplement to unemployment, uh, it means a $1,200 check for working families, working individuals all over this country. It means providing health care to those people who have lost it, aid to cities and towns so they don't have to lay off workers. Second of all, we need to raise the minimum wage to a living wage at least 15 bucks an hour. Make it easier for workers to join unions. Equal pay for equal work for women. We have got to expand health care to all people. We are the only major country on earth that does not guarantee health care to all people, and that's what we have got to do. We have got to deal with criminal justice. We have to deal with immigration. So there is a ton of stuff that has to be done. But in the process, we've got to raise wages. We've got to create millions of good paying jobs by rebuilding our infrastructure and transforming our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. But apropos of what you said, if the Democratic Party does not stand firmly for working families and have the courage to take on the drug companies and the insurance companies and the big money interest, shame on them. A very surreal thing has happened uh, in the time since you, uh, I should say, since Joe Biden has become the nominee, which is Donald Trump, in ways, still seems to be running against you. He brings you up both as an example of uh, what the party will be under a Joe Biden presidency, how far left it will be, uh, and other times he seems to be courting Bernie Sanders supporters as the perfect Donald Trump voters. How has it been for you to watch him sort of this weird sort of triangulation of what it means to be a Bernie voter insofar as how it relates to him? Well, first thought, we understand that Trump lies all of the time. And he's saying, oh, we're going to get, you know, all kinds of Bernie supporters. He's not. Uh, the overwhelming majority of our supporters are going to be voting for Biden uh, because they understand that we cannot have uh, four more years of, of Donald Trump. That's clear. Uh, but I think what he also understands, you know, when he goes to these rallies, is that, you know, our campaign when I was running had the largest rallies, I believe, uh, we had 25, 30,000 people coming out. And we have really strong uh, support. Uh, people feel deeply about the issues that I and other progressives have raised. And, and Trump is conscious of that. Uh, he understands that we have supporters who desperately, desperately are demanding that we pass a Medicare for all single payer program, that we deal with climate change, that we deal with the systemic racism and a terrible immigration system, that our people feel passionately about the need to transform America and create a government that works for all. He understands that. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you, you know, in, in the years since uh, you've become sort of more of a national figure with your presidential campaigns, I think one of the things the people maybe would have expected least is um, how you've become close with, uh, friends with Dua Lipa, Halsey, Cardi B, Killer Mike, 
Uh, I mean, we obviously have talked about your young support. Uh, were you familiar with uh, these artists um, five years ago? Now, you're not going to tell anybody, right? If I, give you <laughs> I promise. The answer, this yeah. is all Just off between air. you and me, right? <laughs> no, I was not. I, I, it's, uh, but, but I will tell you this, you know, um, just talking to Dua uh, and to uh, other of these uh, young singers, I find them to be uh, extremely bright uh, and extremely engaged. And they understand. In terms of Dua, I was looking, you know, at Instagram. Her songs have like 500 million views. Could you believe that? 500, you know, we get very excited if we get 2 million views. It's <laughs> right. 500 million views all over the world. And uh, what she and um, the others, Halsey and, and, and others, understand that it's important to use uh, their fame and the kind of support they have to bring young people into the political process. And I think that that's a a beautiful thing. Uh, well, it is. Uh, there are some of my favorite conversations to watch, uh, and it's also uh, wonderful to be on the other side of a conversation with you as well. Thank you so much for being here, Senator. My pleasure. Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 12.35, 11.35 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the HE Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night Podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Alex Ryder is back. Hello, Alex. We have a lot of work to do. To face his greatest challenge yet. We have an active threat. They can wipe out an entire city. People are going to die. Now he's running out of time. We have three days to find and destroy. He doesn't know who he can trust. We're not your enemies. We never have been. Everything I've been told has been lies. And our future is in his hands. The truth can be complicated. On April 5th. This weapon is capable of inflicting 100,000 deaths in a heartbeat. The danger is everywhere. Scorpio are no longer hiding in the shadows. The battle threatens everyone. It's personal. It's revenge. It's kill or be killed. That's when you find out what you're really capable of. And his choice could change everything. I'm sick of being manipulated to do what everyone else wants. Tell him the truth, all of it. The world isn't black and white. All we really have are the people we trust. Alex Ryder, season three, streaming free April 5th. Stream seasons one and two free now.